welcome back to The Thing About Aging. This is Sharon Saltskipper, and we're really happy to have you join us again. Today I'm sitting with Sherry Fredrickson at the Himalayan Institute, and welcome, Sherry. Thank you, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> so, want to tell us, if you would please, what you do here. I teach yoga here, and I've been teaching for 42 years. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm 68. I'm proud to say that I'm 68. And we'll be posting a picture, so everyone's <laughs> going to be completely blown away and signing up for every yoga class that they can sign up for. I was, I was lucky to start yoga so early and to be interested in it for so long. And I think that um, that has helped me age probably more gracefully than I would have without it. And that doesn't just mean my body. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in my 30s, I was in 20s, it was all focused on, you know, how to have a stronger, more um, better looking body. And mm-hmm. then I sort of lost that idea in my 40s and 50s. And in 60s, I could care. But the practice itself has helped me in, in, in yoga bring more resilience um, not just to my body, but also to my mind and my heart. And I think that's where yoga has helped me the most, is that resilient quality that it's not like I have this um, uh, kind of fairy tale life of teaching yoga. Mm-hmm. It's been a lot of ups and downs and uh, hardships, just like everyone. Mm-hmm. And anyone who's lived long enough has to go through hardships Mm -hmm. but what I'm finding for myself is how do how do I meet them in a way that's not self-harming because I know a lot Mm. of my youth was was about judgment about myself and harming myself for choices that I made or for um, circumstances that happened Mm -hmm. and What yoga has really taught me is to how to let go of the self-harm and the self-judgment. And I think that then has allowed me to be more resilient. Um, When you speak of yoga, I know a lot of us are thinking of just going and basically doing an exercise class with a group of people. Is that what you're speaking about or is this also the yogic philosophy? Well, it's both. Okay. I, my belief is that um, you can't separate the body from the consciousness that's there. Um, every cell has the intelligence of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Every organ has its own intelligence, and we can awaken mm. that. We can awaken the intelligence of the kidney. We can awaken the intelligence. So our body functions better. Okay. And the same with the brain tissue. We can begin to work with whether it's heart tissue or brain tissue in a way that nourishes us by the choices we make, not just food or exercise, but relationships Mm -hmm. and attitudes and books that we read and beliefs that we hold on to those all begin to shape us, Mm -hmm. how we absorb them, how we digest them, and then how 
we express them in our lives. So when I speak of yoga, it for me it started with exercise. Mm-hmm. And when I was in my mid-30s, I was actually teaching internationally. And I was... Uh, I finished um, teaching. I was in Greece for three months. I finished teaching. And I was so despairing that I could do all these postures, all these exercises, all these forms... But I hadn't really been able to address my mind or my heart Mm -hmm. and the disturbances that were there. And so I went back to where I lived in Portland, Oregon, and decided to really see how yoga could address that. And basically um, what yoga says is that we are um, evolved from pure light, pure being. And Mm. so there's a philosophy of yoga that says we evolve from pure being. And the practice of yoga is discovering that. And as I said, it's in every part of our being. And what we have to do is wake up the intelligence that guides us there. So the purpose of yoga is joy, fulfillment, and freedom. And I wasn't mm. feeling much of that mm-hmm. when I was in my 30s, even though I had mastered in my own way um, the postures. postures. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So I had to start working with my mind and emotions, and I had to find ways to do that. So I realized a lot of what was going on in my mind was old scars. And in yoga, they call them some scars, things that we've heard over and over again, like, you're too fat, you're too thin, you're too female, you're too, you're not strong enough, you're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough. And so all these things I realized I had adopted. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't matter what I accomplished with my body. That was okay. still in my head. And so for the last 30-some years, that's what I've been working with. How do I use my practice on the mat use my asana practice to enhance prana, Mm -hmm. which takes me back towards that inner luminosity. And that's the other thing that yoga yoga says, your mind is luminous, your body's radiant. I couldn't find that even in the mastery Mm -hmm. of that. So I had to go back and see, well, what makes it radiant? What makes it luminous? Mm -hmm. And it's that vibration of consciousness, which is called prana, that life force. It's a vibration of pure intelligence, benevolence, and the intention mm. of consciousness to, to fully blossom, to be all of who you are meant to be. So I feel now at 68, I'm more of what I was meant to be than when I was a hotshot 30-year-old yoga asana teacher. And I'm more comfortable in my own skin. I'm more comfortable in my own mind. I can use the body to see where I'm holding those old scars. Mm -hmm. Because they will show up for me in my body, whether it's at my heart. Most of it is at my abdominal area. Oftentimes we find it in the pelvic area. Okay. So when I work with people, and mostly I work with women, but but I'm not limited to working with women. Um, men are always welcome. 
um, we start with the pelvis. We start with breathing in the abdomen, reclaiming this part of our body, which we've disowned, letting our fat breathe. We sometimes think it's something we, we actually hate fat. We've been trained to hate fat. And so what I have people do is breathe into it and see it's not the enemy. It's the thinking that okay. it's the enemy. Okay. So we have to undo the grip of those thoughts. And usually the thoughts are right where the tissues are. The issues are in the tissues. So okay. if we can work the abdomen, work the pelvis, begin to strengthen the pelvic floor. Because what I found with aging, if we don't strengthen the pelvic floor, not only do we become urinary incontinent, but we become energetically incontinent. We become mentally incontinent. We become emotionally leaky. And our mind is like all over the place. So by creating a stability in the pelvis floor that's not gripping, mm -hmm. we also often have to face what our pelvises have faced. Have faced <laughs> um, shame, fear, doubt. Trauma. Trauma, instability, um, assault, mm -hmm. and because it's in our tissues. Mm. And so the way to heal that is not to keep it there, but to do pelvic floor exercises like um, in yoga, they're called mulabandha, ashwani mudra, saholi mudra, vajroli mudra, that work specifically with the pelvic floor. And then abdom a lower abdominal work, glute work, working the buttocks, strengthening the buttocks because we're judged by our buttocks and so we carry a lot of judgment in there. So if we can work them, contraction, release, engagement, soften, we can be stronger in the pelvis all the way around which gives us stability into old age because a lot of what happens as we age is we get afraid of falling. Yes, Just yes. Physically falling. In the last probably 10 years, I have fallen every winter because I'm not afraid to go out and walk in the snow, be, oh, it's icy, oh, I didn't see that patch of ice. But because of the strength that I've developed in my body, mm -hmm. not just the yoga stretching, but really working muscles, strength building, I'm not afraid to fall. Mm -hmm. So... I think that that's one thing that I've done for myself, which has been really good, and I really encourage women to do that especially, is to s strengthen their bodies. With weight training? Or? I do weight training. I put a four-pound weight on my ankle, and I do butt kicks. Okay. Or I do leg lifts, just like the old mm -hmm. videos of Jane Fonda yes. doing those leg yeah. lifts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Strengthening. So Interesting. I okay. am aware of my legs. I do balance poses every single day so that I'm aware of where my balance is off, where it's strong, how to, how to strengthen. Okay. Because I think that if I can make my body strong and resilient, the heart organ and the brain organ and tissue are part of the physical body. Mm -hmm. They will reap the benefits. That means my emotions don't get splattered so quickly I'm more resilient when something breaks my heart and it, I'm at the age where things break my heart I mm -hmm. lose people yeah. 
I lose work. I, I, I'm not doing the same thing I used to do. I'm not teaching the same trainings. I'm having to rediscover myself in a way mm-hmm. where I have to be more creative in what I teach because what I was teaching is not for me to teach anymore. There's a new generation coming up. Mm-hmm. They can teach what I've taught. I've done it years. So now it's like, what do, what do I want to teach that no one else is teaching that matters to me? So it doesn't mean that you're making your world smaller. Oh, bigger. Wow. I'm actually, instead of teaching here as much at mm-hmm. the Institute itself, I'm teaching in Brussels, I'm teaching in England, I'm teaching in Seattle, I'm teaching in... I just finished a festival in Iowa. I spent uh, two weekends teaching in Florida. I teach in Connecticut. I'm teaching... I hope you're going to be teaching in Asheville. (laughs) Please. (laughs) I would love to. I'm teaching in New York. I'm teaching in Connecticut. So I'm actually expanding rather than shrinking. And that's the one one thing that I did this past uh, February as I went to India I've been there many times this time it was a great um, there was a Rudra Yaga which is a um, uh, every day we did a fire ceremony Rudra is the energy of compassion in the world Okay. it's Sometimes thought of as a Hindi deity, but it's more than that. It's that's that's a shrinking of what Rudra is. Rudra's bigger than that. Rudra is a vibration of consciousness that is pure compassion. And so we did this Rudra Yaga to bring more of this into the world. Mm-hmm. We did it every day for I think fourteen days. And at the end, I stood in front of the fire the last day. I opened my arms and I said, what do I need to know? And just like this, just the moment I finished that thought, I heard so clearly, don't be small. Oh, I have goosebumps. Oh, my gosh. And that was what I left with. And it's been in my mind ever since. So when you said, does that mean you're shrinking? No. No. It's, I have to expand and I have to come from the inside. So anything that's been small in me, that I have shrunk, I have to, I have to feed that with the breath, with my kindness, with my awareness, until it can grow. So any, any place where I have shrunk myself, that is my work now, is to begin to expand that self. Because I think that in the world today, what we're seeing today, um, and we see it everywhere, we have begun to shrink our consciousness, our kindness, our awareness, our compassion for other people, mm-hmm. our civility. Yes towards others yes it's shrinking and if I don't expand that in me towards me first okay how do I bring that into the world right it's just lip service 
Mm -hmm. So if I don't, so that's what my practice is. I get on the mat, I dig around a little bit and see what needs nourishment today. Okay. And what I discovered along my yogic journey was that women are the only mammals, I mean, in, in females, female mammals, mm -hmm. are the only ones who have their anatomy designed to nourish others. And yes. So our first thought our, is to nourish others. Others, at least for me, I, it's a training that we have. It's a part of our biology. And so to nourish ourselves is so important. It, yeah. And it's not natural almost. Is that what you're it's saying? Not, yes. It's, yeah. Okay. Thank you, Sharon. Okay. It's not natural. So we have to work at it. We have to consciously make the choice. Choice. Yeah. Okay. And if we don't, what happens? It's like the women who go to the well to bring back water for the families. Mm -hmm. If they go to the well, they bring back the water, but they don't drink it themselves. Mm -hmm. At some point, they die along the way. Mm -hmm. They shrink. They, the spirit in them dies, if not the body. Mm -hmm. And I think it's time for us to be bigger, to not be small, and to let our spirits grow and I think in doing that first for ourselves then it gets reflected in the world if we can be kind to ourselves we can be kind to anybody mm -hmm. you know um, and that's that's what I'm discovering still is that it's not about not being angry for me or not being ashamed it's about how do I take that in my care and be big enough to say, okay, this is what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. This is what's happening. How can I not make that wrong, but instead see, do I want to hold it? Do I want to hold on to it? Because that can shrink me. So it's not about not feeling anger, feeling ashamed, feeling where we've had abuse. It's about embracing that mm -hmm. so that it doesn't shrink us so that we can be all of who we are so I think that's what I'm learning at 68 and I'm really excited about 70 I see some of the women in the public that are in their 70s or their 80s and I love the women that are standing up, that are saying no, that are saying there's a better life than, than this. Mm -hmm. They are my role models. They're my heroes. Mm -hmm. And I just told, um, and, and it's not just older women. I, um, there were a couple of women that were just in their 30s, mid-30s, early 40s. And I said, you know, the way you're going out into the world, what you're doing out in the world, mm -hmm. you're my heroes. And that's what we need. We, we need more heroines, you know, mm -hmm. women that go out in the world that are willing to teach kindness, 
but not the kind of kindness where you turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. We have to stop turning the other cheek. I know we've been ingrained with that. Turn the other cheek, stay quiet, swallow it, don't be heard. Mm-hmm. At some point, we have to stop. We have to be stronger. We have to say no. That's not right. This is the way that we bring a greater um, goodness to the world. Mm-hmm. And it's not by being subdued. It's not by being slapped around energetically, physically, emotionally, or mentally. Mm-hmm. So, and that was hard for me to learn. It has been hard to just not be compassionate at the expense of strength. There's a this um, poem, epic poem. It's 700 verses to the divine Mother Durga. And the first time I read it, the thing that really jumped out at me about Durga was it said she was compassionate in heart and relentless in battle. And I think mm. that we've lost that relentless, relentlessness in battle, mm-hmm. that we have to reclaim that. Mm-hmm. And also not to judge ourselves when we don't do that. Exactly. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to do it on a world stage. No. You know, introverts, you don't have to go out and make a speech. No. It's, so can you speak to that a little bit, please? Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily meant for a world stage um, I'd rather sit on my mat mm-hmm. uh, or be in a quiet space mm-hmm. and it's how I treat myself that matters and I know that when I step out the door from my meditation room it's still going to be how I treat myself mm-hmm. and I it's been a long struggle for me to reduce the non-judgment mm-hmm. inside myself for me. Um, my mother was incredibly self-judgmental. Mm-hmm. My grandmother, I remember as a child, we would share a room when she would come to visit. And she would stand in front of the mirror and look sideways. She was about five seven, and she probably weighed 145 pounds. And she would say, I'm too fat today to wear this dress. Oh, my gosh. And I was probably seven, eight, ten years old during that phase. And mm-hmm. that's what I learned. Mm-hmm. Um, to judge, to stand in front of the mirror and judge myself. Mm-hmm. And not just about my body, but everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. It was so critical. And I think that's where I made myself small. It wasn't an external thing. It was an internal thing. I just beat myself up all the time. Mm-hmm. So am I hearing you correctly that this battle and, and, and 
that you're fighting is internal very often. Yes. That can be the most courageous, exactly extraordinary battle that you can win. Yes, and that you can engage in. And just engaging is just, courageous. Yes, thank you. Yeah. yeah. You ha- it is. And my personal feeling is that as we engage in mm-hmm. this battle with compassion mm-hmm. in our heart, that we stop beating ourselves up. That's the best gift that we can give not just to ourselves but to the world in general because I believe in energy and when I walk out the door it's my energy that is the gift to the world whether I open my mouth or not it's what am I bringing to the world today Mm -hmm. and if I've just addressed my criticism, my doubt, my fear with an openness, with kindness. That's good enough for me to say, I've addressed this. Mm -hmm. I haven't fixed it Mm -hmm. yet. I've looked at it and I've brought compassion to it. And that's all I can do today. And it may be all I can do for a year. It may be all I can do for 10 years. That's enough for me to have an ounce of compassion towards myself where I've been hating myself. Mm -hmm. is huge for me. And that has been my journey for the last 30-some years is... Just, okay, Sherry, all you need today is an ounce of compassion. And that's all I have today. And that's okay. And then if I go out and I screw up in the world, the next day I'm back on my mat going, okay, have an ounce of compassion. It's so interesting because what attracted me to you was just this warmth and feeling of love. And, you know, to now hear that there's this struggle. I mean, so often we don't know what's going on with people, and you think, oh, you know, she's just naturally so <laughs> effervescent <laughs> and lovely and yummy. And, and, but I think also it's your willingness to do the work yeah. that is reading to other people as well and inspiring people. We don't even know the story very often, but it's just this vibration, like you said, when you go out into the world that you're putting out there, and what a gift to offer. It's that vibration. Mm-hmm. That's all it is, and you don't have to ever open your mouth. Mm-hmm. You don't have to ever leave your family. You you just you can sit in your room, and that vibration is now present in the world. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's that's the part of not shrinking. You can sit in your room and shrink, and then you can have compassion for that shrinking, and then you've offered compassion to the world. That's beautiful. It's been a journey. Yeah. I had a um, pseudo-therapist about 
30 some years ago and he told me I was the biggest self-hater that he had ever worked with and that he didn't know if anyone would be able to ever help me. Oh, what a horrible, defeatist, unempowering thing to say to anyone and And supposedly a healer. Who hates herself. Right, exactly. I mean, that just fed that belief. Totally fed it. So after I left, um, I thought, okay, I know I hate myself. And I I don't know how to stop. Mm -hmm. And I had given up at that point my um, thought that maybe a therapist could help me. Well, yes, of course you did, because that therapist did not, in fact, the opposite. So, yeah. So I I thought, well, I can't stop hating myself. Mm -hmm. So what if I tried to not hate myself for hating myself? Okay. Yep. And then I couldn't do that even. I Mm -hmm. hated myself for hating myself. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, one step further back. What if you didn't hate yourself for hating yourself for hating, hating yourself? Oh, I love it. And so that's how I started. That's wow. how I started. I just went out yep. in the circular. Until it became doable. Until it became doable. Brilliant. And then I would work on that. And I decided not to have a time limit. That I didn't have to accomplish it in any amount of time. That... I gave myself permission to have the rest of my life to consider this possibility and to build this ability to be compassionate with myself where I hated myself. Mm, Thank you for that, because I do tend to want to get it done quickly, and if I don't, then I failed, and why bother trying? So Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. So you gave yourself compassion and permission to take a long time mm-hmm. so that then you were able to hold the space for yourself yeah. in a relaxed way. I mean, there was you took the pressure off, so yeah. to speak. But I had to do that, take the pressure off every day because mm-hmm. it would rebuild mm-hmm. because of where I was. Yeah. Okay. I would go back to old habits pretty quickly. But if I had five or ten minutes a day where I could just contemplate not um, hating myself or hating myself or hating myself and try just to give myself some breathing room. And I think that's the big thing that I've discovered now. Just give myself breathing room, literally breathing room. Mm -hmm. So I, every day, lie on my back, prop my knees, and put a um, 10 to 12-pound weight on my abdomen. And just like I do leg lifts, I'm building my diaphragm so it doesn't go into the habit of shrinking my breath and shrinking my inner life. So I do that maybe, sometimes if I'm in a hurry, I do it for 10 breaths. Okay. If I'm not in a hurry, I do it for 10 minutes. And you can start with a bag of rice, five-pound bag of rice. Okay. Just something on your abdomen to strengthen because you're... Your self-defeating habits get caught in your breathing. And so by changing my breathing habits, 
I can begin to address some of the self-defeating habits that I have. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, in, in the years that I've been working, that now, and the Yoga Sutras say this, now, instead of 50 self-defeating habits, maybe I have five. Mm. And maybe I have one that kind of underlies all of them. So if I focus on one or two, then... And just bring myself more kindness, like where I'm still gripping. Mm-hmm. And and that one may last me for the rest of my life, but uh, I'm really okay with that. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Um, I'm not trying to run away from it, but to stop, turn around, say, okay, yeah, this is a part of me. This is was a part of my character. This is how I was brought up. This is what my belief was. And it's still the traces of it, the shadows of it, the remnants of it are still there. And they do affect my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, But I look at where I've come in 30 or 40 or 50 years, and I look at, that's the beauty of aging. I'm, I look back and I think, wow, I'm in the best place I've ever been. In my life. Mm. The the absolute best. And my body's not functioning as well as I'd like it to, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, but that's okay. I'm resilient. I'm stronger. I'm... And it, this sounds weird, but I'm prouder of who I am than I've ever been. I pat myself on the back and go, yeah... You know? That doesn't sound weird. That sounds <laughs> fabulous. But it's like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm happy with what I've done and where I'm going, and I feel more expansive than I ever have, and I feel more forgiving of myself than I ever have. And I think they go hand in hand. That's beautiful. Sherry, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Sharon, for setting this up and making me think about these things. Oh, it's it's an honor, and it's actually very selfish because I get to get have conversations with absolutely incredible women, so believe me, it's really not a big deal. Oh, thank it's you. lovely. Take care. Thank you. Next week, our guest is a senior executive at a global corporation who will be speaking about how we can effectively communicate in the workplace to have any menopausal symptoms or symptoms of aging be treated with the same respect and accommodation as any other type of ailment. She'll also be talking about strides that are being taken at her corporation to enable this and empower women and and men as we age. That's the thing about aging. Thank you for being with us.